Bibles this morning with me to the book of John, John chapter 3, John chapter 3. This is a message I preached 20 years ago, and I thought, well, well, it was 15, maybe 15 years ago. But this is a message I actually intended to speak or preach about more often. Reason being because this particular doctrine in the Word of God is a lot of Christians struggle with. And uh, there, quite frankly, a lot of other people do not believe this doctrine. Uh, and that, it's a sad uh, uh, thing to, to look at because the, the truth of the matter is I am delighted. I rejoice in this doctrine. It's truly taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in John chapter 3, you may recall John chapter 3 is where Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and uh, to try to find out how to get to heaven. Uh, it, it, it says he came to Jesus there in verse 2 by night. He said unto him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so Nicodemus saith in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Well, remember Jesus said unto him, you must be born again. Nicodemus, being a rabbi himself, a very uh, knowledgeable teacher of the Old Testament, did not have that understanding. But so this is where Jesus walks him through this. Look at verse 15 with me. That whosoever believeth in him, that is, in Jesus, should not what? Perish, but have eternal life. And then in verse 16, one, probably the most quoted verse, in the Bible, uh, most of you uh, probably memorized this when you were a child, and so it's uh, well recognized, but so often people don't see the wonderful truth in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not, what does it say again? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then if you would look at uh, verse 36 in the same chapter, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now I'm going to go back to John chapter 10. We're going to come back to chapter 3 in just a moment. But just one verse I want to read here in John chapter 10. And here Jesus once again is speaking. John chapter 10 and verse 28. And Jesus says this, I give unto them, who are the them that he's referring to? Those who have uh, received him as Savior. Those who are following him, his sheep, as he talks about in the context here. I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never, what's that next word? Never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So we're, we're going to look at these verses a little bit more in detail. And I hope to give you a, a clearer understanding. I was talking to uh, some Christians just in the past month that really struggled with this and uh, didn't really see, uh, uh, to be quite honest with you, if you base everything on what you believe on your feelings, it's going to be up and down. If you base it on what you think is right in your own eyes, again, it's not going to be very solid. We have to take what God says by faith. Our faith is not in our feelings, or ought not be. It ought to be in the Word of God. So let's ask God to help us here as we look into His Word. 
Our Heavenly Father, we do ask for your help. Help me to preach the message you've laid on my heart with clarity, with power. And I also pray that you would help each one that's sitting in the pew listening, that you would fill them with thy spirit so they can hear, understand, and apply this truth to their own life. So your will be done, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you and I are going to be successful in our Christian life, if, you know, if we're going to be successful Christians, we must have the assurance of our salvation. We must understand the security of the believer. There's no way that we're going to be successful if that's not there. So what is a successful Christian life? Now, that's a question that if you ask several people, you're bound to get many answers. But success for the Christian is really defined in the Word of God, but basically I could sum it up by just saying it is pleasing God in everything I do. If you do that, you are a successful Christian. Success for the Christian is being in the center of God's will. Again, I remind you, the only way we can know God's will is by getting into his word and knowing his word. God is not hiding his will from us, but we must read the word. So that is what success is. If I'm going to be in the center of God's will, if I'm going to be the kind of person that God wants me to be, if I'm going to be doing what God wants me to do, if I'm going to be a complete and fulfilled and satisfied in my life, then I must have the assurance or the security of my salvation. So I will never be in the center of God's will. I'll never have confidence that I'm there where I should be in the center of God's will if I don't know I have that everlasting life, that security of my salvation. So uh, again, for some, you rejoice in these truths. You know this to be true. And for others, they have a hard time swallowing this truth. And why is that? Well, for one reason, because none of us deserve it. We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve everlasting life. We don't deserve a home being prepared for us in heaven. But God said it's so, and we take him at his word. So, number just a few things I want to throw out here, actually, before we get in the message, and uh, just to try to build a, a, a foundation here of this truth. Number one, and I, I will say this over and over again, we can know that we are saved. We can know we are saved. We don't have to hope so, think so, maybe so. Uh, we can know so. Listen to this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. Here it says, I know, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. Now, Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I know my sins are forgiven. I know my faith is in Jesus Christ. Paul was not confused in who he had placed his faith in. And so we can know we're saved. We can know, Christian, that our sins are forgiven. We're on our way to heaven. We can know that we have new life. We can know that Jesus Christ dwells within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 John 5, 13. Again, these concrete terms, these words that is used in the Bible. These things, Jesus said, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So if 
he's written the word of God for all the Christians that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And so, not hope so or think so, God says he wants us to know that we have eternal life. So I repeat, we Christians, I definitely clarify that, only true born-again Christians, we can know we are saved. Our voices out there today, aren't there? You were talking about the radio, uh, Brother Morris. Praise God for the gospel that is getting out there. But there's also a lot of false doctrine being taught all over the world. And a lot of people say this, and a preacher says that, and this evangelist says this. And, and so there are so many voices going out over the radio, uh, going out from the pulpits of, of uh, America and all across the world. That, and, and so many books are written teaching um, that you really can't know you're saved. A lot of people say that. You, you can't know that. Nobody, I've had people tell me, oh, nobody can know that. Wait a minute, does God know? Yes, he knows. And I just read a verse where he says, he's written these things unto us that believe in the name of the Son of God that we might know. So uh, there's where I teach that the basis of this, uh, uh, this truth. And let's embrace it. Believe God. Trust him. Take him at his word. Oh, people say, well, that you can't, you, you have to work towards it. You have to really try hard. You have to hang in there and hang on, and you can make your best effort, and you, you might get in there. You might make it. Well, boy, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I know if I, I was dependent upon myself, I'd never make it. You know why? I'm not good enough. Hey, uh, what, did, what does it say? Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us are as, as uh, perfect as Jesus Christ, therefore we can't get into heaven on our own. And in the end, if you did everything right, if you did hang in there long enough and you endured, then maybe when you get to the judgment seat, they say, that um, God will decide, well, you know, you tried hard, I'll let you in. That's not biblical. It, it, you, know, you know, today, August the 28th, 2022, Christian, you can know your sins are forgiven. And you can know you're on. In fact, if you're not saved here today, today can be the day that you have that confidence, that you put your faith in Christ, and you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. So we can know we're saved. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so sounds pretty definite to me. And I suggest to you, though, this morning that, that uh, a person will never find God's perfect will until they are obviously saved. Uh, that's God's uh, first thing he wants from everyone is that they be born again. And then once they are saved, then they can know uh, the, these truths that God has for them. A, a, a person will never have a spirit of peace. They'll not have that love, that joy. Uh, in the Lord until they are born again. Now, I'll be honest, this morning I, I can look back over my years in the ministry and I have never in the ministry met one person who was eaten up with doubt, who was unsure of their salvation. They really didn't know for sure, neither, uh, they, they didn't have it settled in their heart. I've never met one person like that who's doing anything for God. They were defeated, 
They were discouraged, and uh, they weren't doing anything for God. Never in my ministry have I seen that. They're always struggling. They're always struggling with a, maybe some little petty sin, and, and they're always struggling in their Christian life. They're always unfaithful, uh, and they're just struggling. I've met a lot of Christians like that. I, again, I know, I can't look at someone's heart and say, I know who's saved and who's not. I can go by your testimony, what you tell me, and what you had, have said that you have put your faith in, and based on that. But uh, God does know the heart today, and he knows where you stand with him. And I pray that you are confident in your relationship with God. So if, um, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, then you've got to take that first step. You've got to nail down uh, your salvation. You've got to know that you're saved. So, so uh, we can know we're saved. Number two, doubt should cause us to get into the word of God. Doubt should cause us to or drive us to our knees and to an open word of God before us and nail that truth down. If you're here this morning, you have made a profession of faith. You believe you're a Christian, but you're doubting whether or not you can go to heaven. You're not sure. Let me tell you, that is the most important thing you need to do is get that nailed down. Do what you need to do. Talk to some individuals. Get into the word of God. Just take him at his word and get it nailed down. So, but that should cause us into the word of God. Uh, if a person professes faith in Jesus Christ and doubts and, and they doubt and doubts are there in the morning and at night and all through their life and what those doubts should do is drive us to the truth, the word of God. That's the only place that we're going to find peace. I tell people all the time at a funeral, in a time of sorrow, the only book that can really bring comfort is the word of God, God's word. And the only book that can give us the kind of guidance and direction and truth that we need in life, again, is the Bible, God's Word. So now I'm going to take a, a, make a couple points under that statement there. And uh, first of all, the most dangerous thing that I as a pastor can do or that we as a church can do is, and listen carefully to this, the most dangerous thing that we could do is give the assurance of salvation to somebody that did not possess salvation. We have to be very careful of that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, we, we are living in a society today, God, you can pretty much profess your whatever. I, I'm still shocked at the thought of somebody professing they uh, uh, identify as a cat. Uh, I, that still boggles my mind. And uh, they, but even, well, we won't get into all that. But what I, my point is, you can make whatever profession you want. But that person that thinks they're a cat, they're not a cat. One of these days, they're going to have to come to reality that I am who God made me, or they're going to be really in a lot of hurt, or maybe in a padded room. I'm not sure which may come first. But the most dangerous thing that we as a church or any a Sunday school teacher or anyone uh, presenting the truth of God's word as giving assurance of salvation to somebody who's not even saved. So it is unbelievably dangerous to be deceived into thinking that I'm okay. A person that's lost, uh, and, and you know, by the way, a lot of preachers do this. Oh, you're fine. 
Everybody's a child of God. Everybody's going to heaven. Uh, don't worry about a thing. Well, there is. If you're not saved, if you've never been born again, you have every reason to worry and fear. We talked about there in verse 36 of John chapter 3, the wrath of God abideth on you. And so that is some, some reason to be fearful. But we're told in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Examine yourself whether or not you're truly saved. And so I, I can't give assurance to somebody who doesn't possess salvation. Now, how do, I, um, how do you know if a person possesses, possesses salvation or not? As I said earlier, I can't look in anyone's heart. I can't say, oh, well, I know that person's saved, or I know that person's lost. Not with complete confidence, I can only go by what individuals tell me. And, but there's something else. What does the Bible say? You'll know them by their what? Fruit. The fruits that are produced in that Christian's life. Uh, in other words, a Christian is only capable, only a Christian is capable of producing uh, as seeing those fruits, like the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. And so I cannot give assurance to a person who does not have a scriptural um, profession or confession, I should say. And what do I mean by that? They have a Bible-based salvation. If I was to come to you today and I was to ask, are you saved? Oh, sure, I'm saved. Well, how do you know? You're saved. Well, I was saved because my granddaddy, he was a preacher. That's not Bible. Oh, I'm saved because I went through the waters of baptism. Again, not scriptural. You see, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, your assurance, you have to have a scriptural confession. What is the, how do you know? Give me a Bible reason why you know that you're saved. Uh, and some people give all kinds of reasons why they think they are in heaven. And, but what is a Bible? Do you have a Bible reason? Can you take me through the Bible and show me how you know you're saved and know that you have that eternal life? Well, I hope by the time we're done here this morning, you can do that. But uh, a changed life is, is the result of um, a person being born again, not the basis uh, of a salvation experience. A, a person can tur turn over a new leaf. They can uh, clean up their life to a certain degree, but that doesn't mean they're saved. And so the, uh, I, I cannot give the assurance of salvation to somebody who does not have a scriptural um, a, a, a reason that they're saved. Also, a, a spirit, that they're not experiencing any spirit, spiritual chastisement. What do I mean by that? Well, the word chastisement, let me explain. The Bible's clear. When a person's saved, they become a new creature, a new man, a new woman. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If a person says they've trusted Jesus Christ, yes, I But no spiritual chastisement in their life, and there's no change. There's nothing taking place in their life at all different than the way they were before, then I can't come to that uh, person and say, listen, you can have the assurance of your salvation. Listen, the fact of the matter is, because there is a change, the Bible says there will be 
the chastening of God. We all experience that. If you continue to live in your sin, if you continue, there's been no change in your life, and nothing appears to be happening at all. That, that is suspicion. I, again, I, I cannot say with all confidence, but I would, if I was in your shoes and that was the case, you better start examining yourself. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He disciplines. He corrects them. And uh, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with, with you as with sons. For what son uh, is he whom the father chasteneth not? And it, it is true. Uh, you know, uh, we hear all the time today, well, if you discipline your child, if you uh, spank your child or, or whatever, you must not love your child. Uh, the opposite is true. If you spare the rod, if you don't have any discipline, that's a parent who doesn't really love their children. Uh, and we've seen that, haven't we? A child with no discipline, no correction, no, no uh, restraint at all. And so you uh, can have the assurance of salvation, and, uh, uh, but the only way is through Jesus Christ. And if there is no change in your life, and you're not experiencing the chastisement of God, uh, then you better, better check things out here real quick. So what, what he's saying here is that when you're saved, you become a child of God. God begins to chastening, or this chastening process in your life. And as a loving uh, uh, father. So now, when we hear that word chasten, we think of discipline, and, and we think of the word uh, discipline, we think of the word... Uh, uh, whooping, right? Uh, he's going to go out back behind the woodshed and get a good whooping. And, uh, uh, but the word involves a whole lot more than just that. It has the idea of correcting us. Discipline and chastisement is not just get, going out and getting a whooping, but it's, um, it's a whole change that takes place. God says there, here, that when, when a person is saved, he will begin changing them and that is God will begin changing them he will begin chastening them and disciplining them in their lives so if they do wrong they get chastened and they grow and uh, so as they grow and develop there's chastening involved in all of this Christian you know uh, does it seem like sometimes you when you do wrong it's, it's like you get caught or something happens, and, and it's, uh, it, you've got these, all these, seems like everything's falling apart around you. Maybe that is, and I, again, you have to evaluate that, but could that be the chastening hand of God, trying to discipline you, trying to correct you, trying to keep you in that straight and narrow and walking in place? If there is no chastening, then um, if th there's no disciplining, there's no discipline process taking place. And in that life, and they are, uh, the Bible says, they're not a legitimate child. In Hebrews chapter 12, 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That's a very strong word. That's a, there in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 12. And that kind of word we recoil from. But that's what God's saying. If there's no chastisement, if, if you can live any way you want and, and there's no restraint at all, then you're not a legitimate child of God. 
and so they're not a part of the family uh, if they're not experiencing that. So if a person claims to be saved but doesn't have any the chastening work of God in their life, I, I cannot really truly honestly give them, come and say, oh, well, don't worry, you, you, you're, you can have this assurance of salvation. Now, the Bible does not teach that a saved person will not sin. We all know every one of us sitting here, or in my case, standing here this morning, we are sinners. All of us are. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I hope that I'm looking into the faces of everyone that, yes, you're a sinner, but you're a sinner saved by grace. And now, that's the key. But, uh, but we're all sinners. The Bible does teach that a saved person will not sin without chastisement. That's my point. So, yes, we, we sin, but if, we're, if we don't repent, if we don't get right, the chastening hand of God is going to be a part of our life. Listen to Galatians chapter 5. You're not far from there. Turn back with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19 through 21. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, that is, they are visible, they are seen, which are these, adultery, fornication, that is, fornication, any type of, uh, of sexual activity outside of marriage, uncleanness, lasciviousness, uh, again, which is sexual ex excess, uh, perversion, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, um, that is, committing all kinds of crimes, emulations, jealousies, uh, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and that's just carrying on and carrying on, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not God. So come to that person who is doing all these things and say, well, listen, you can have, uh, don't worry about it, you're saved, you can have the assurance of your salvation. I can't do that. Because it says, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the first thing that I thought of, maybe the first thing you thought of, now wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I read this, but what about David? Hmm, what about David? He committed adultery. And the Bible says in the New Testament he's called a man after God's own heart. And, and he was a tremendous man of God. And, and here's, here's what I believe the answer is. It's not difficult by any means, but David committed adultery one time. It did not characterize his life. You see, it, it wasn't a, a, a continual thing for him. And it talks about drunkenness. Now, wait a minute. What about Noah? <laughs> the, you know, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And immediately after the flood, the guy went out and got drunk. But he, uh, he did it one time. He didn't make it a, a habit. He, he, he did not, it did not characterize his life. Now, I can't go to a person that adultery characterizes them. They're, it, that's what they're known for. That's how they live, or fornication. And there's no repentant hearts at all, uh, no desire to get right with God. I, I cannot uh, go to them and tell them you're okay. Now, 
they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The most dangerous thing in the world that we can do is give assurance of salvation to someone who is not saved. And I don't want to do that. You need to know you're saved. You can't go around and say, well, I'm saved because the preacher said so. I'm saved because mama told me so. Daddy said so. No, you need to know in your own heart that you're born again and give a biblical reason why that's the case. So can you imagine the awful thing is, in fact, in my eyes, I believe the most awful thing in the world is to die to be anticipating heaven and to open your eyes in hell. That must be an awful thing. You think about these people who are deceived by religion. If you do this, this, and this, then you will earn a free ticket into heaven. And when they die, think about all these Muslims and the perverted doctrine that they follow. And they think by doing uh, their, their sinful things that they do, they can earn their way to heaven. They are sadly, sadly, to put it mildly, disappointed when they die. But a lot of people who sit in churches and hear the gospel preached and, and they're trying to convince themselves, I'm okay. But they've never truly been born again. I can't think of anything more awful than to be anticipating heaven and not to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And I believe that is talking about the lifestyles of our time, our day and age of the uh, sodomy. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. In other words, it goes through a whole list of things. That is a person who's, whose lifestyle is that, that characterizes them. That is not going to happen to a true born-again Christian. Yes, they may sin, and they may struggle with sin, but it doesn't characterize them because they're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If a person was like this, what it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, then they uh, profess to be saved and they're living like this, then I can't give that person assurance of their salvation. No, don't worry. You can keep doing whatever you want to do, and you're okay. I, I, all I can say is, if you think you're saved, you better do some examining. You better look at the Word of God and line up with it. Notice again it, in verse, um, or should read verse 11 in Galatians. Such were some of you. You know, I listed all these things, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, all these things. Such were, uh, Paul says, some of you. Now, that's the way you were. You see, but you believed in, in Jesus Christ. You've been born again. You're saved. And now you're like this. What? You're a changed you. You're a changed person. And uh, you won't be like you used to be. Now, here's a, a warning here. We must be patient with people. Some people, they grasp this truth, and boy, they change immediately. But others are going to have struggles. It's going to take them more time. Uh, look, when, when we, you have children, one child may start walking when they're eight months old. 
The other one may be almost two years old before he finally gets up and starts walking. And they all are different, are talking. Some childs may, they, they may wait till they're two, three years old before they're really putting sentences together. And some may start talking back over here before they're even two years old, and pretty clearly. And so they're all different, and the same thing spiritually. I, I would like to think that, boy, you get saved, and poof, and it happens that way sometimes, but not all the time. Sometimes people, so what I'm trying to say is, Christians, let's be patient with them. Let's work with them and, and help them along as that, uh, and be a helpful, helpful part of that process as they begin to mature and grow in the Lord. And so sometimes the, that chastening of God is inward as well. And you can't tell outwardly. And so we, we can go around and say, well, like I was saying earlier, well, I know that person's not saved. Hey, look, if you and I were alive during the time of Lot, I don't know about you, but I would have been, yeah, that old rat, I know he's lost. Boy, the flames of hell are waiting for him. But we know in the New Testament, Lot was a righteous man. In other words, he was a Christian. He was a believer in God. You cannot know for sure what God is doing, but I'm just saying, Christian, you better, as the Bible warns us, examine yourself to make sure that you're not trying to fool yourself. And if those changes aren't taking place, something's not right. Um, if, if, those, if you're habitual or characterized by the sins in your life, something's wrong there. So we have to be very careful. But if somebody does not have a Bible-based profession uh, of faith and there is no um, indication that God is working in their lives, then we need to be uh, careful about just trying to convince them they're saved. So doubt should cause us to get into the Word of God. Doubt should cause us to nail down our salvation. So the most dangerous thing we can uh, do is to get somebody to think they're saved when they're not. And the most damaging thing we could do is to have somebody who is saved and not help them get the assurance of their salvation. I can't imagine trusting Christ as my Savior and still not knowing that I have this wonderful gift of eternal life. Still fearful that, boy, what happens if tomorrow I die? Will I be good enough to get to heaven? Well, no, none of us are good enough to get to heaven. But if you put your faith in Christ, He forgives us of all of our sins. Now, let me close this message. Actually, that was just the introduction, but that's the long part. Uh, this is for you. If you're truly born again, number one, salvation is a fact. For the person who has sincerely trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their salvation is a fact, guaranteed by the Word of God. Look there, if you're still there, in John chapter 3, verse 6. He that believes in the Son hath everlasting life. Now that word believe means to rely upon, to trust on, to depend upon. Now, I, if I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, I had to recognize, number one, that I was a sinner, that I deserved hell. I had to come to that place in my life. Have you been there? Where you acknowledged you were a sinner headed for hell? And by faith, I had to believe that Jesus died, he suffered, and uh, he, was, he died there on the cross, for my sins. 
He was buried. He arose again the third day. I have to put my belief, my trust, confidence in what Jesus did. And I just need to trust him. Trust him. Putting my complete faith, complete dependence upon Jesus Christ to get to heaven. Not in my church membership, not in my good works, but it's all in the blood of Jesus Christ. So here, here's a difficult question. If, if that faith is everlasting, how long does it last? I'm being, uh, just kidding, joking around a little bit, but if it lasts forever, if it's everlasting, it lasts forever. Yeah, it's very obvious. If something lasts forever, does it have an end? Obviously not. If I could lose that life, if I could do something that it would be taken away from me, then it would not be everlasting, would it? Um, it would be temporary. And the Bible does not say, he that believeth on the Son of God hath temporary life. No, it says eternal life. So a saved person has eternal life the moment they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And how long does it last? Forever. It lasts forever. And then secondly, salvation cannot be lost. Well, I'll tell you, I'm thankful for that. Uh, we can lose a lot of things, can't we? I mean, I don't know how many times this has happened to me. I've got several, I'm doing several things, and I lay maybe my phone or keys down, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. I, I cannot remember what happened to those things. And I look and look. And so, hey, look, you don't have to worry. If you're truly saved, it's everlasting life that you have. And it cannot be lost. A, a saved person cannot lose their salvation. Why is that the case? Because Jesus cannot disobey God. I need to read these scriptures because they're so wonderful. In John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40, John chapter 6, the Bible says, All that the Father giveth me, this is Jesus speaking, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the, again at the last day, and this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So the security of my salvation is not dependent upon me getting away from God and oh, then I've lost it. No, it's not dependent on that. It's depending on Jesus Christ keeping me saved. He's the one that it, I rest in his hand. I'm confident in him, not in myself. And so praise the Lord, he will always, always keep me. He will not cast me away. He will not lose me. And so it isn't dependent upon you and I. Jesus is the one that keeps us safe. Salvation cannot be lost. Salvation, and here's my last point, will never perish. Never. Never perish. Jesus said plainly, a saved person will never perish. John 10, 28, Jesus said, I give unto them, those who had trusted him as Savior, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. You and I really can't use that word. I, I can't say, I will never uh, drink a Coke again in my life. Might have good intentions, but boy, you know, I might get 
thirsty. And I said, she got ice cold. Throat Garrett offers me one. I said, man, I've got to have it. And I drink. Look, I, I could say I will never be late, and I hate being late. But I could get a flat tire. That's happened to me before. I remember one time my wiper blade was coming all the way off, and it was pouring down with rain. And I got out, had to pull over to the side of the road, and I was grumbling, and, blah, 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 and I finally got it back on there, and I was soaking wet. And then there was a horrible accident just to, right that just happened. Cars I, I even recognized, and some of them that I was in the, the traffic with. And so we never know uh, that those delays. But what I'm, my point is, I can't say never. I mean, I have good intentions. I don't plan to be late. I don't plan to break my promise. But I can't be in control of all things. Some things are out of my control. Well, God, he says never, because he is in control of everything. He'll never, you'll never perish. What does that mean? You'll ne you're never going to die and go to hell. Now, you'll die, maybe, if the Lord doesn't return in your lifetime, but you will, if you die, you're going to heaven. You're never going to go to hell, according to the Bible. Now, the question is, when is never? How much plainer can Jesus be? That's my point here. When is never? It's never going to happen. Now, I can't think of anything greater in the world to, than to know that I am secure in Jesus Christ. And I have a home in heaven. And, and folks, nothing can take that away from you. Your home that you have now, you worked hard for, and you have saved to, to purchase that home, something, someone could take that away from you. Something could happen. You could lose everything materially, but let me tell you, nobody can touch your salvation. Not even the devil himself, as much as he would like to. He cannot. You, uh, you will never perish. So that's the greatest gift that I can think of. And you and I will never know full peace. We'll never know the satisfaction of being in the center of God's will. We'll never be confident as a, in, in our Christian life. And we'll never be able to uh, be what God wants us to be if we're always doubting. Take God at his word. God said it, that's, that settles it. Our salvation is depending upon our feelings. Our salvation is depending upon the facts of God's word. And so feelings change. And, how, and many of you folks, you, you, uh, you may wake up grouchy in the morning. And I, I won't have you raise your hand. But how, how many of you uh, uh, men, uh, you let us sleep in in the morning? No, I'm just... Joking. I don't mean to apply that the, only the women are grouchy. Yes, some of us men are grouchy too when we get woke up. I've been, I've been told that. And, uh, uh, but our, our feelings change. But the everlasting life that God has given us never does. We're dependent upon him. The facts of God's word. So I must ask in closing, do you know for sure that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Do you have that confidence? that assurance. If not, get it nailed down today. If you've never trusted Christ, come and trust him. If you're, 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 you know you made that profession, you called upon the name of the Lord to save you, forgive you of your sins, but you're just not, you're struggling with that. God doesn't want you to struggle. God doesn't want you just to think so, hope so. He wants you to know so. Our Heavenly Father, 